You got a Bible? Hope you do. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 11. The devil's battle plan. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11. In seminary, you're trained to give your text three times. Somebody that went to seminary told me that. That's why I know that. So if you are at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, I want you to say, I've got it. Those still looking say, I'm still looking. <laughs> Second Corinthians, we'll do it four times. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not, as today's text, for we are not ig of his devices. Well, that may not be a big thing like I thought. Maybe my brother did was one to come up with that. He's been putting down ig instead of writing down ignorant. <laughs> I thought that was a, well, gosh. He just come up with that, I guess. <clears throat> one more time. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're going to look today at the devil's battle plan. Would you pray with me? Father, I am thanking you, God, in advance for your word going forth. And I'm praying, God, that it will not be a muffled call. Lord, it will not be a small call. But God, it will be a large clarion call that goes out and that people would see the value of your word and putting you first in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Beck, if we're ready with uh, Paul Harvey, let's do that. If I were the devil... If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington, and then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in 
how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. What a prophet. That wasn't said and spoken two weeks ago. 48 years ago. 48 years ago. I've got here something that uh, from Dave Wilkerson. He was talking about different war zones around the world. And Dave Wilkerson, I think he died uh, last year, um, went on to be with the Lord. This is what he writes. In Muslim nations, the spiritual war taking place is a demonic assault against the testimony of Jesus Christ. In Europe, the conflict being waged against the church is one of secularism. One by one, European nations are becoming totally secular states. In Sweden, the war taking place involves unbelief. One survey says that 20%, 20% of the population of Sweden is all that believes there is a God. In England, the war is one of apostasy, meaning they've stepped away, they've stepped away from the things of God and the things they believe. A nation that once was a light to the world, sending missionaries all over the globe, is rapidly closing many of its churches. In America, Satan's war against the church is in the continual flood of sensuality and materialism. His weapons in this war are a love of money and addiction to pleasure. Right now, Satan's powers of darkness throughout the world are rejoicing. They're convinced that they are so powerful that they cannot be brought down. 
These demonic forces have infiltrated high places of human power, the media, political offices, high courts. It's happening even in compromised religious denominations as leaders move aggressively to marry gay couples and ordain homosexuals. All of these demonic principalities have an agenda. They work to re-educate young school children about the rightness of homosexuality. They seek to erode moral values. They work to pull down the saving power of the gospel. And already the storm clouds can be seen gathering in Washington, D.C. as more and more elected leaders try to legalize gay marriage. November 22nd, 1963, the 50th anniversary of the assassination of JFK. Here's your trivia question for the day. There were two famous British authors that died the same day. But I'm only concerned in one because I don't want to get sidetracked. Anybody have a guess? C.S. Lewis. That is correct. C.S. Lewis. And before C.S. Lewis ever wrote Mere Christianity, and before C.S. Lewis ever wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis wrote The Abolition of Man. And in that book, he talks about the head of man and the gut of man. And then he says, beware of the man that has no chest. Beware of the man that has no heart. Beware of the man that has no virtue. Beware of the man that has no discipline in their life. I hate to say it, but Wednesday night, this is the second time in the 25, almost 26 years that I have been here, Wednesday night, the church got broken into. Now, let me tell you, the person that has done that, they have head and they've got a gut. They've got intellect and they've got appetite, but they have no heart. They have no virtue. They have no honor. A person that's willing to do that. And the person, listen, if that's all that there is, is head and gut, and that's all that is in a man, I don't know what you would do for that individual. The knockout game that you're seeing on TV called, many of them that's doing it are calling, are calling it polar bearing. Because more times than not, it's a white person being knocked out. Where someone, how many seen this on TV? Where someone walks up to another person and it's usually filmed and they try to knock that person out in one punch. That person has a head and they have a gut. They have intellect and they have an appetite, but they have no virtue in their life. There's no honor in that person's life that would be willing to do something like that. A 78-year-old woman in New York, imagine that. Is there a 78-year-old woman in this congregation right now? 77? Right there? Ruth. 
Ruth Smith. And imagine that a teenage punk would be willing to walk up to a woman like that, of that age, and be willing to try to knock her out in one punch. That person has no virtue in their life. And for us as whether it's a nation or as preachers or as leaders, to even try to have to explain that to people and for some people still not to get it, I don't know what you do to those people. A 46-year-old man in New Jersey was, was uh, knocked out and led to his death. A 51-year-old man in New York was killed as well. And this has happened in most major cities in America. And here's where we're at. Well, if it's not happening to me or my family, it really don't matter. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. When we become more head than we are gut, where restraint is no longer cool, how many remembers a few years back when Kobe Bryant raped that woman in Colorado? It didn't take Sprite very long to pull the advertisement that he had just made. How many remembers what the title of that advertisement was? Obey Your Thirst. They pulled that real quick like. No virtue. No heart. Nothing that is really, really, really the core and the important part of that person is even there. Punching out a 78-year woman isn't wrong because it's illegal. It's illegal because it's wrong. And it may be too late if we've got to try to explain that to people. We've recently, our government has passed, did some kind of a law with Iran and in the whole thick of that thing, to where they are now saying, well, there's not going to be any sanctions leveled against them, that they can have free trade with other countries, and we're not going to get involved with that. We're going to lift that, lift that uh, levy or lift that sanction. And a man's name was never brought up. An American pastor, a brother in Christ who had went to Iran to visit his family. Saeed Abedini has been there locked up in prison and our government didn't raise one word or one finger to try to free that man. Somebody will answer to God. That man's life is on the line and we did not one thing to try to extradite him from that. C.S. Lewis was right. There are people, but they've got a head, and they've got a gut, but there's no heart. There's no virtue that's there, and that's a scary thing. The devil's battle plan, number one, is for you to never to be saved. Getting saved, ah, oh, that's boring. Let's go with the advertisements of the devil. That's what really makes sense. Does it? Does it? Does it? 
My brother bought a pair of Zoomies and gave me a pair. Where in the world are you at? And when you watch it on the commercial, the guy puts them on and he's, he's blind as a bat. You can't see nothing. You can make your 19-inch screen TV a 65-inch screen TV if you wear it. Really? <laughs> Greg bought these, and he said, they lied to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the devil's battle plan is for you to never be saved. And for you to somehow think that sin is what's so attractive. I mean, watch the beer commercials. Have you noticed that only good-looking people drink beer? You notice that? Only good-looking people drink vodka. Only good-looking people drink whiskey. Have you noticed that? They don't show Rab King, that grew up in that little town where I was at, or Old Swede, the town drunk that lived right in Keynes, where me and my cousin would mow his yard for $5 every week. And went over there one time. And he always he'd sit on this little bucket, and he kept his beers up underneath there, where his buddies, when they showed up, he wouldn't, they wouldn't know where they were at. And because uh, one time I was over there, and as we got through mowing, his buddy hit him on the side, and he fell off, and he's like, there's where you're keeping your beers at. <laughs> and he went to pay me and Nick the $5, and instead, he gave us a 20, and I said, hey, that's a, and Nick goes, shut up. <laughs> so we walked out of there with our ill-gotten gain. <laughs> now, they don't show that. They don't show the person throwing their guts up. No, only good-looking people. It's where it's happening. Oh, yeah, if you do this and drink this or smoke this, oh, yeah, it'll be great for you. Jennifer Upchurch told me that a few years back, her and Steve, they had uh, went to a person's house, and, and Jennifer, she came out of that. A few days later, she was telling me this experience that she had, and she said, Mark, everywhere you looked in that house, it was either a picture, a painting, a, a, some type of a design of wine in every room, everywhere you went. And she came away and she told me, she said, I had these words. That was a shrine to wine. And people think nothing about it. I'll point something out that her husband said just recently. Steve Upchurch made this statement. I pastor Orchardville Church 24-7. He is the Centralia Branch pastor. I pastor that church 24-7. He said, what if I am in the privacy of my own home, settled in my lazy boy, kicked back, drinking a few beers? I'm in the privacy of my own home. Drinking my adult beverage and get a phone call and have to run to the church and be in the emergency room and then have a family to notice that, hey, our pastor's got alcohol on his breath. 
Can I rest assured and be rest assured to all of you as pastor of this church and as pa an associate pastor with Brian and as pastor at Fairfield with Short and as pastor over at Centralia with Steve, that will never be the occasion. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. The devil's battle plan is for you not to be water baptized. The very first command that God gives to a Christian individual is, you must be water baptized. That's right. Get water baptized. There's the command. Get water baptized. If you're not water baptized, it's not because you're listening to God. You're listening to old smutty face. Number three. The devil's battle plan is for you to never have assurance of your salvation. And I've used this time and time again, but I don't know of any better story to illustrate this. The plane going down in South America, there's about 20 people on board. The plane crashes happened 10, 12 years ago. The plane crashed, and there was two or three people that survived that crash. Those two or three people told the Associated Press the exact same story. There was a Baptist pastor on board that plane when the pilot said, we're going down, we're going to make a crash landing. That Baptist pastor stood up in front of everybody and told us his name and then said, I'm a Baptist pastor. You've heard what the pilot says. How many here wants to be born again? Every hand went up. Amen. He led them in a sinner's prayer to God and then the plane crash landed just a minute or so left. Those people that were born again would not have been born again if that man had lived his life with no assurance of his salvation. Because what he would have done was, oh no, the plane's going down. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, am I sure, am I sure, am I sure? I don't really know. Have I done a good deed today? I don't know. Am I sure, am I sure? None of that junk, no. He knew because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. It could be that I want to meet God in just a few minutes and everybody else out here, they need to be saved as well. Right. See, if the devil can steal to where you don't have any assurance of your salvation, chances are you ain't going to win anybody else to Jesus either. Number four, the devil's battle plan is to steal your joy. Frank Taylor, not in a million years, would allow anyone to walk into his house and steal his joy. Amen. He would put up a fight. We as Christian people need to do the same thing. Instead of, oh, here comes the devil, he wants to steal my joy. My joy. No. Long time ago. I mean, I still had hair when this happened. Kay and I and the two kids and Grandma Dorothy. I just went over after service. We'd preached over at the uh, Sisney nursing home. And from there, we went to Fairfield and we ate at Racks. Pretty sure that was Racks. Because it changed hands so many times. But. And while we was there, there were two older couples sitting at the table. And they're loud in their conversation of their church service that day. 
Oh, that young preacher we got, he's leading us astray. And I'm thinking, man, what's going on here? <laughs> to imagine that he'd get up and preach the God of my salvation. Oh, that I just couldn't believe it. And they'd all three of them chiming into this one main guy. And, oh, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Oh, and there's no telling what he's going to say next. My salvation. It's not my salvation. It's God's salvation. He should have said thy salvation. And I handled it as well as I could. And I told Kay, I'll be back. And I went outside. I got my Bible. I came back and I said, it wasn't that I was eavesdropping. You're speaking loud enough for everybody to hear you. And I went out and got my Bible, and I opened it up to Psalms chapter 51. And I said, here, would you, would you please read this? And we turned to Psalms chapter 51. And I don't remember now exactly the verse, maybe verse 6 or 7. And I said, would you read that for me? And he started reading, and he said, yeah, there it is. Thank you for bringing in your Bible. That, see, that verifies what I was saying, doesn't it? And, you know, the rest of them was going, yeah, yeah, it does. And uh, thanks for bringing in your Bible. And I just stood there very patiently. Uh, verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And I said, would you continue reading on? Well, yeah. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. He says, what version is this? <laughs> and I said, oh, it's King James. <laughs> they all shut up and stopped talking. And I went and I took my Bible and I smiled and I was laying it right down where I was eating. Every now and then I'd look over at him, I'd smile. <laughs> Don't let the devil steal your joy. Because that joy is encompassed in a great salvation that God has given you. And it is your salvation. The devil's battle plan is for you not to tithe. Nothing says I'm selfish more than a Christian who won't tithe. Monty Dash. You could always depend on Monty for a quote. Monty said, before I was saved, he, he told me he was, uh, how much he spent on beer, how much he spent on drugs, how much he spent on uh, wine, women, and song. And he said, man, I didn't hardly have anything left. He was then I got born again, and the preacher was preaching on tithing and said God wanted 10%. And he said, man, I, I just kind of scratched my head. And I said, before I was saved, the devil took everything I've got. God only wants 10%. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Dave and Elaine Orr, Fairfield Branch, both of their children, Josh and Jordan, have went to U of I. I don't know of any bigger U of I basketball fans than Dave and Elaine Orr. You know why? Because of a Bible verse. Jesus said, where your treasure is, $25,000 a year. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It's not the other way around. 
Oh, I really believe in this and I'm going to give some money. No, you put some money in and your heart will follow. That's what Jesus said. That ain't me speaking it. That's what Jesus said. Some of you don't tithe. You have a take it or leave it attitude, whether it's here or at Centralia or Fairfield. And probably the reason is, is because you're not really bought in on what's going on here. You're not invested. You get invested, you won't gripe so much. That's just cutting right to it. <laughs> Number six. The devil's battle plan is for you not to read your Bible or pray. And that's what I've heard before. Preacher, I read my Bible and I don't really understand it. My comment to you is read the Bible anyway. Here's my point. If you've got a strainer and you pour water through that strainer, there ain't no water left in the strainer. But the strainer is cleaner because of the water having gone through the strainer. You will be cleaner even though you may not retain as much as you would like to retain. You will have been cleaner by reading the Bible. Amen. Amen. And the devil's battle plan is to steal your kids. When Moses said before Pharaoh, let my people go, Pharaoh said, you can go. Your kids have got to stay here. And Moses says, uh-uh, taking the kids with us. You can be saved. You can be water baptized. You can have assurance of your salvation. You can have the joy of your salvation. You can tithe. You can pray and read your Bible. And all that, the devil, what he will still try to do, he'll go after your children. This is what I've seen in pastoring 25 years. People are so busy now, and now the kids are so busy now. We got wonderful people that attend uh, Orchardville Church here, Fairfield Centralia Branch that are teachers in the public school system. Thank God for the light. Thank God for the light that you're, seeing, that you're shedding forth. Thank God for that. I, uh, no, I won't go into that. <clears throat> Let me do this. I don't know if I've ever done this before. Let's read the Wayne County Press. And a good time was had by them all. <laughs> the Wayne City Unit 100 board met recently. All minutes were approved with verbiage stating that no extracurricular events, listen, no extracurricular events can be scheduled on Wednesdays and that coaches shall release students from practice on Wednesdays to attend church or other obligations as needed without repercussions. Yeah! Continue on. The motion was made and seconded 
with an approval of seven to zero. Now, wait a minute. Andrea Lewis, is she here? Would you please stand? Also, Denise Barbie, is she here? Where's she at? I'm not seeing her. I don't see her. And I've been told that Andrea was the one that really spearheaded this, and all the rest of everybody else got on board. So hats off to you, sister. Yeah. See, the church is real good about damning the darkness, but never willing to light the candle. That's lighting the candle. Amen. And all that got started off of a Joe DiMaggio message that he preached right here. And that started burning within them. And they said, let's get this passed. So uh, that's standing up for what's right. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Stephanie Murphy said this, and she's the uh, Orchardville uh, OC Kids Director over at Centralia Branch, and I just thought there's such wisdom in this. She said, my son will probably never be a professional basketball player, and my daughter will probably never be a professional cheerleader, so we're not going to major in that. We're going to major in what God majors in. Here's what God majors in. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's not all these things first, and then if you got time, seek God. No, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, I am grateful and thankful for a living, breathing, thriving Orchardville Church. And God, the reason that is, is because everybody's not got their own little pet agenda and they aren't got their own little soapbox. But Lord, we're doing one thing and we try to do it in a big way. We're lifting the Lord Jesus up. And when we lift him up, you will draw all men unto you. Thank God for that promise. And help us, Lord Jesus, to continue doing that, drawing all men and women, boys and girls, unto you. For somebody here this day that maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, boy, today would be a grand time for that to happen. See, first and foremost, the devil's battle plan is for you not to be born again. Secondly was for you not to be water baptized. And if you're here, I hope the Holy Spirit just so convicts you to where you know I need to be born again today. If you're a believer, I hope the Holy Spirit convicts you that I need to be water baptized. I hope that happens today. Spirit of God, do your job as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.